1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles, the International Division. I am Ron Kolick, your host, here in bright and shiny New England, not. And with me all the way from across the pond in the land that's maybe there, unless it gets washed away, is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Borada.
0: Hmm. That's Welsh, so, like, in case you didn't know. That was Welsh, in case you didn't know. What was? Borada means Welsh for good day. Borada. Borada. It's like, uh... It's like... Cor- it's like it's like, have, well, it's like have a nice day, but it's not as threatening. It's like Corvus.
1: Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, uh, welcome back. To you. It's always good to speak with you, and your Skype is working, so that makes me even happier. So... um Stephen, uh, your books are on the market. They're, they're just selling like hotcakes. Uh, we're talking, of so. course, about... I think it's now. Of course, we're sold. talking about uh, ghost, ghost-toology and uh, para So, uh, amazing books by an and amazing man. It's still time to get them for Christmas. Mm.
0: Oh Hanukkah. Oh Hanukkah. Because I, I don't know, I mean, uh, Amazon.com, the U.S. Am Amazon giant, um, you know, they, they've got their, their, their drones and they're much better sorted out than Amazon.co.uk, who have been, whose stock control is been affecting sales of Ghostology because oh, although it's crazy. in stock, although it's in stock, they keep showing it as out of stock. It's driving me up the wall. So how do you and know it, it's in stock? Well, I know it's in stock and Amazon know it's in stock and people have, who've ordered it, advanced ordered it, have had it even though it's supposed to not be in stock. So go figure, Amazon. Stop building drones and start delivering no, stuff.
1: No, what has happened is they've actually sold more than they've had in stock. So as they come in, they're filling their back orders and therefore no, it's always out of haven't stock. They have sold that many, be No, 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 that's hey, Oh, Trust okay, me, good. I, I uh, I'm all into publishing. Well, that might mean that we've sold. Unlike a couple- you, I'm not a newbie in in uh, book writing. I've been doing it for many years now. So, I uh, know. Yeah.
0: but I, you see, you see, I I went for quality over um, like quantity. Right, that's why I, you prefer- spit, I spit two I, of them out 27 minutes. So, I prefer to hang back, you know, to get them right rather than just churn them out like a sausage factory. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what you say. Hey, Spino, have you seen, well, before we move on from Amazon and before we All bring right. in our guest, have you seen the drone? Have you seen the Amazon adverts? I mean, they're even cooler than USS ba That is one cool ship.
1: Okay. Uh, so, anyways, on the show today is, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's why I am just went over that. The big destroyer. The U.S. Yeah. Or Zimbabwe or whatever they call it. Zimbabwe. Piloted by Captain James Kirk.
0: It's, uh, it's one cool ship, that,
1: isn't it? It is. It is. Sorry. No, Sorry. We're not afraid to spend our money on uh, top-quality things other than, you know, leftover yeah. stuff. It, it, yes. I'm, I'm sure be... if there's another war breakout, we'll sell you some more. Yeah,
0: the it. United States is still the only country to have successfully bombed the wrong country in every conflict it's ever been involved with.
1: Yeah, so what's the what's the problem
0: nothing just say. there
1: you go Historical so anyways fact- moving right along from uh this jibber jabber is uh, like we'd be joined by uh someone who I've known for a long time and had the the great opportunity to investigate with um Mr. Josh Mittello of Berkshire Paranormal Power- oh, Josh you're
2: there hello hey how's it going not too bad how are you guys doing today
1: outstanding and uh I called uh, Josh on the show because, of course, for those who don't know, Josh comes from Western Mass. And although we have a lot of ghost stories and a lot of people know the ghost stories and the legends of of Eastern Massachusetts, there isn't too many that do know the ones from Western Mass. So, which is, I called in, you know, someone who's I consider an expert in, in that field, and uh, I figured he could take up some cool stories for us. So he's joining us today to tell us a little bit about some of the uh, cool, very cool stories and legends of Western Massachusetts. So, big
2: yeah. I mean, that, that's great. Um, you know, that's true. Uh, you know, obviously, Eastern Mass is the uh, more populated area, and there's a little bit more history, you know, in that uh, end of the state. And You know, where I am, the Berkshires, um, You know, most people tend to forget you even exist. And a lot of the people from Eastern Mass kind of think the state ends at Worcester, um, and we're two hours west of that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of history that takes place here, though, um, you know, from just as early of a period uh, that is, you know, kind of forgotten in its own right. Um, There were revolutionary battles fought, uh, just really a stone throws away at, you know, uh, the Battle of Bennington, which is a very pivotal pivotal battle, uh, was just uh, over the hill um, in Vermont. You know, not too far from here. Uh, and even you know, right where I am here in North Adams, there was uh, the old Fort Massachusetts, that was a big part of the French and Indian War. So you know, there's just as, as much history here uh, and old history, which you know tends to lend to you know ghosts and legends. Uh, as much as, say, our Eastern counterparts. Uh, We even have um, our own supposed uh, witch trials and witch hangings in this part of the state that people haven't heard about.
1: (laughs) Well, that's, that's, uh, you know, why don't we start there? Because I haven't. uh, Have you ever heard of uh, witch trials in Western Mass, Steve?
0: Um, I'll be honest. When I was doing the research ahead of uh, Spirit Quest, I was actually surprised that the witch trials were... Not just in Salem, although i uh, i didn't sort of uh, Massachusetts is just one lump of land, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm British.
1: But well, countries that way for you. But I,
0: yeah, but uh, I was aware that there were other witch trials throughout Massachusetts in New England, but I uh, so that that was a bit of a surprise because you know we only ever hear about Salem,
2: mm-hmm. right? Um, so this one, it's really tough to uh, to trace back. Uh, and it's one of those things. Depending on who you ask, as far as researchers go, it may or may not have happened. I've talked to researchers and local legend and and story who say absolutely. I've heard talk to researchers who said it never happened. I've looked into it. I can't find anything about it. So really, uh, it's six to one, a half a dozen another, mm-hmm. but um, supposedly in Lennox, Massachusetts, which is uh for those of you who are familiar um the same town as ventford hall that we've done some ghost hunts and stuff at oh, yeah, um, suppose cool we had a, a hanging ground and had um, some witch trials and as up to i want to say seven um individuals were were hung for the crime of witchcraft now the funny part is is nobody knows where any of this happened now just uh just like our eastern mass counterpart you know there's uh supposedly a hanging tree on a hill somewhere where these took place (laughs) but uh you know it's who knows where um nobody's really ever been able to kind of pinpoint it down uh Mm -hmm. it, it obviously wasn't as a um as a public of a affair as it was in the Salem trials, which may be lended to uh, less documentation, or, you know, the town is also um, a more prominent town, a a lot of wealth in that area. Maybe they don't want to be associated with it. And as the generations went on, the stories and the legends kind of faded on to what it is now of something that only 50% of the people believe it happened, and the other 50 do.
1: Okay.
2: So, I mean, how did you find out this information? I'm just, just curious. Uh, I mean. You know, through our events and uh, different you know times I've been around, um, there are a couple of local residents who have come to me and said, "Hey, have you have you ever heard about the you know the witch kings in Lennox? I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I've heard. I've heard of them." You know. at first I was like, "No, it's something I haven't heard of." And then, you know, as the conversation went on, they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposedly." You know, back in this time, uh, you know, seven or more people were hung for the crime of witchcraft. Um, uh, you know, one of them even said as far as it used to be where the library was built, where where that took place. So, you know, this you know, you're know, starting off with this. This is something where we're talking about a lot of conjecture and, you know, could have and might have been, and a lot of people starting at this point guessing. But it does kind of tie into the fact that, you know, You know the the state didn't end you know at at the uh 10 miles into the coast even in the uh 1700s and 1600s you know people were settling out here at the same time uh you know at the same time as all this was going on you know in the uh along the coast okay
1: so i mean these witches were. I mean, do you know anything about? I mean, are there any names associated with them? Are there any uh, circumstances at all?
2: No, not that I've been able to find. It's one of those things that, at this point, it's it's you know your your very basic folklore. It's you know it's it happened, but we don't. We don't have a lot of information, or it supposedly happened, I guess. But the the information behind it is just very few and far between. It's one of those it could just be something that you know just been kind of told down by the generations as a story, and mm-hmm. some believe and some don't. It um, smells, smells like a book to me. It could be, you know, and, and you know, it's, it, it you know it could be something worth more researching, um, you know. But like some of those things I've had. I've had local historians come up and tell me, nope, absolutely never happened. And I've had local, you know, local historians and researchers come up and tell me, oh yeah, absolutely it happened. So, <laughs> guess it's as good as mine.
0: Well, looking looking through, I mean, while you were talking, Josh, uh, I was trawling through the the library here. Um, And I've got Cotton Mather's book, uh, which was written in the 17th century. Uh, Well, this is an early 18th century version. Uh, And it talks about the New England witch trials. And it's actually quite surprising um, that between 1645 to 1663, over 80 people uh, because uh, it was called the Massachusetts Bay Colony, and that did extend to your part. Now, I don't yeah. know exactly where Springfield, Mass. is, but the first accusation of, which, of witchcraft in North America is recorded in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, a completely out of the blue, husband and wife, Hugh and Mary Parsons... Accused each other of witchcraft. He was found innocent while his wife was acquitted but sentenced to be hanged for the death of her child and she died later in prison. So, I mean, there's, there's, I, I, the numbers for, for Salem are actually quite low compared to the over 80 um, who were accused of practicing witchcraft and a total of 13 women and two men executed. Although, I say, I don't know, you know, northeast, southwest, um, Mm But uh, uh, over 150 people were arrested and imprisoned. Um, there were numerous courts set up, but there are no there are no actual specific locations, unfortunately, um, in, in in Mather's book.
2: Hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, is um, that is considered Western Mass. So, you know, geographically, um, Western Mass is Berkshire, Hamden, Hampshire, and Franklin counties. Um, all of which is on the western side of the Connecticut River. So if you're looking at the state of Massachusetts, anything west of the Connecticut River is considered Western Mass, and that's those four counties. Um, so Springfield is uh, kind of the hub of Western Mass, the you know, metropolitan area for for Western Mass, except for kind of where I am. I'm actually considered Albany, New York, metropolitan area. But, um so Springfield does kind of fall within that realm, and you know the location I'm talking about is maybe about 45 minutes by car drive today from uh, from from uh, Lennox, from Springfield, sorry. Okay.
1: And and you're close to the new New York border too.
2: Right, and I think that's what you know. You know, like I kind of already referred to once. I mean, we have you know individuals who go with you know not far away just to uh to bennington vermont in the adjacent uh eastern new york to the battle of bennington uh you know where that took place uh with a lot of supposed hauntings and of course like any other uh battleground you know where there's a lot of mass casualty um there's always your associated hauntings and and uh things that go bumping in the right you know with it <laughs>
0: Josh, do you find – I mean, again, you're going to have to help me out geographically, but do you – I mean, one of the, the uh, perceptions that we have here in the UK of American haunts is that there is always a strong association with uh, Native American burial grounds. Uh, huh. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh,
2: particularly, do you have
0: you know, a lot of Native Americans in England? <laughs> uh, we do. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we call, we call them Romanian, but we won't go into that. <laughs> um but I mean now I- I've tried to since I've been over a, a few times. I've tried to get a grip on on the uh, Indian American Indian Wars and then the and then the Revolution, and it does seem to be that the part of uh, the western part of Massachusetts where you are is is more closely linked to the the uh, the 1760s the American Indian Wars, um, and that that did seem to have a, a strong focus on um, the Amerindian culture. Do you find that in the hauntings that you? investigate
2: uh in some yes so um i think that's always kind of your your go-to uh horror book or horror movie thing is you know you're you're on top of an ancient indian burial ground and you know Mm. bad things are going to happen it's Um, like
1: you know you know our american burial grounds are like you know english kings being buried in england they're they're everywhere yeah,
0: we we put them under the parking lots so they're easy to find later.
1: Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm yeah. sorry
2: to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're right though. Um, you know, I, personally, I haven't seen it. Uh, most of the locations I, I've been to um, have had more of a, I'd say, 19th century or or later backstory to them. But. You know, well, I can, you know, refer us will refer to say the Hoosick Tunnel, um, you know, widely considered by most people as probably one of the most haunted locations in New England. Um, uh, quick story on that: you know, at the time when it was built, it was a engineering um, marvel, uh, just shy of a five-mile tunnel, four and three-quarter mile tunnel, um, built through the Hoosick Mountain Range, through the Berkshire Mountains um in the late 1800s i want to say their completion date was 18 1890s i I don't I'm, i'm lost on the exact date um tunneling um with drills and tnt from both ends um they came to meet at the center off only by a quarter of an inch um that's hard to do today with GPS locations. Uh, so only using line of sight and fighting towers, they, they, they finished it. It was the first commercial um, location that nitroglycerin dynamite was used commercially. So it was an unknown product and many people have themselves blown up with it. Um, the death toll was just under 200, about 197, 196 people lost their lives in the construction of the tunnel over, um, over its construction and ever since. Then, I mean, people who've gone in Iran, I know you've, you've ventured in uh, amongst many other people, um, have seen uh, wayward trackmen walking through. They've seen um, multiple gangs of workers walking in or out of the tunnel with their fixes. Um So we take that in the next step back. So well, why was this tunnel maybe cursed before they started? So that particular mountain was said to be. Cursed by the Native Americans. So, um, no tribe really lived in that um, area. It was conversed over, or traversed over, sorry, by the Mohawks, um, who resided mostly in the Hudson River Valley in the Albany area, but traded in the Connecticut River Valley. So, you know, they didn't, no Indian tribe would stay there due to the cursed mountain. They said that was a curse, yeah, nobody can live there um miraculously though know, when we tried to tunnel through it, over 200 people lost their lives um other people uh you know as early or sorry as soon as the 1960s um people were still kind of wandering in seeing things um and dying you know as a result of accidents or um other forces um you know with the tunnel so you know that is something more modern but you can maybe tie into a a native american or uh background to it
0: how much credibility do you give these stories that that, that places accumulate? Because we have um, several railway tunnels, like the Box Hill Tunnel here in the UK, um, were inevitably due to the the technology of the era in uh, the eighteenth nineteenth century, using you know, blasting powder, dynamite. Uh, you know, there were many fatalities. The, is that is it fair to then assume that the building or the the location the tunnel will be haunted or does this just seep into the local folklore and culture and then we pick up on that and then say well people were killed therefore it must be haunted
2: uh, you know that's a good question you know and, and it's something that kind of brings up you know you know you know why people believe every native indian burial ground is haunted, just because it should be i guess um you know it's it's tough to say um I've talked to a lot of people with very firsthand um, accounts of what happened, and I have a hard time thinking that a lot of firsthand accounts is people making it up because they heard the stories. If it was something I didn't, you know, ha- you know, personally talk to and believe some of the things people have experienced, maybe then I'd be more skeptical at to uh, this to the, the stories and to the back and say, well, maybe you're just making it happen in your mind because you heard of it. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I think there are probably are locations that maybe we we tend to make haunted, you know, because of the backstory and may not be. Well, makes sense.
1: But uh, what, you know, besides the you mentioned the uh, the uh, Phantom signal Signalman thing, has there ever been reports of Phantom trains at all? That's just curious about that.
2: Uh, not that I've ever heard of. I, I've never heard of that one. Um, every time I hear Phantom Train, I just think of that scene in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, it's always been kind of like the Phantom single, or they call him the Lantern Man. Um, you'll be walking along, and you'll kind of, there is a point of light. So when, there is a point when you first get in the tunnel, you can't see the other end. But as you get into it, there, you start to see kind of a pinpoint of light as you get into it a little bit of a ways. Um, But people have said, you know, when they're in there, they see kind of a swaying light coming towards them. Now, your first instinct to debunk it is saying, well, as you're walking, your head's swaying, and the the pinpoint of light on the other end is giving you that optical illusion. But, you know, they say it gets closer and closer and closer, um, like somebody coming up carrying a lantern. Um, They start to, as it gets close enough, they start to make out the individual that's carrying it, and then it disperses and just goes.
1: Hmm. Very interesting. The, uh, as you know, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, go into the tunnel, uh, thanks to you. You took us there. Uh, one time we went to the Houghton Mansion. Uh, Leslie, myself, and uh, Ann Ryan, Kelly and and uh, we went in. And I found it interesting. <laughs> the funny part, we go to this tunnel, which is how long, Josh? Four and three-quarter miles. Four and three-quarter miles. Nobody brings a freaking flashlight.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, as funny as that is, not the first time I have encountered that on um, both personally and with other groups. You know, being so close to it, anybody who's heard of it always wants to go there, and I know how, so I, I've brought many people there. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, that uh, everybody always seems to forget a flashlight. But I think mm-hmm. you know you're not used to seeing a tunnel that large. I, I think a lot of people just underestimate that how dark it gets, how quickly walking into. Basically, a four and a you know four and a half five mile you know cave. Mm-hmm. And, and the interesting thing about
1: it, and right in the middle of the tunnel uh, or somewhere around the middle, is uh, a place they call uh, the hotel or something, uh, Josh.
2: Yeah, that's um, basically that they call it. The Who's Hotel. Now, as you're going through, there's cut-ins. Um, basically, you don't want to be stuck in there when a train comes in. No. Um, yeah, you can go and stand so in the wall have little cut-ins where you can stand in and you're kind of inside the wall a little bit you know because back in the day before uh, you know modern technology allowed for electronic inspections of track somebody had to every day walk the track and make sure it was safe for the trains to pass um, and that's where they think the lantern man came from he was actually a track inspector who used to have to walk maybe got hit or had a rock fall on him or something but so there's those cut-ins but at the at the center um, at the central shaft there's actually like a larger office um, could have been a foreman's office, a signalman's office, uh who knows, but it's been kind of dubbed the Hoosick Hotel. Um those who get to it usually it's kinda of like a bragging point because it's you know, quite a ways in and, you know, usually a pretty treacherous hike if you're not caught by a train or a passing worker or not having, you know, brick fall on you.
1: Yeah, it's true. But uh, <laughs> it's a cool place. We, we when we went out there was actually a train that passed through uh and we uh, we were at the hotel, so it was we were luckily. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, I know we're coming up to break, and there's a couple other cool stories I want to talk to you about. So the mountain that passes through, what's the name of that mountain?
2: Um, the the it's the Hooseck Mountain Ridge, and it's actually just Berkshire Mountain, I believe. don't Yes, yeah, the Hoosig Mountain of the Berkshire Ridge. Yeah,
0: sorry, head of back. Right. You know, I was just and, thinking, while Josh was talking then, we had a, Josh and I had a conversation outside um, in the Sunshine at Spirit Quest, and all of the things I said have just gone, it, it's not Berkshire, it's Berkshire, and he's forgotten that.
1: No, it's it, once again, we we talked about this last <laughs> week with Richard, and, and we totally straighted out that you guys have been speaking wrong English for all these years. Ah, that's <laughs> we that, straight. That, I, that, that'll uh, be why. Right. If you remember so, our yeah. conversation with Richard, uh, it's finally. Yeah, been, uh, you ever you forget know, any
0: conversation with Richard Feinberg? Right.
1: So, uh, and, uh, but anyway, forgettable. Uh, uh, I know. I know. Like I said, it's about a minute before break. So, uh, one thing, I, Josh. I didn't know if you knew this, but uh, in uh, in Worcester, there was uh, some graves that were robbed, and uh, the bodies—four bodies were taken: uh, couple, two adults and two children. And they were taken to Connecticut and uh they were used in um Santa Maria or whatever the hell it is, Santa or whatever, that religion. Uh and they were used supposedly for healing, but they, they caught the guys. But the funny part about it, the vault that was broken into was the Houghton vault. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I don't think it was related to that one, but uh I, I found that I thought that was uh Interesting. Eh, it
2: might have been. I did a little bit of read. I didn't go super in depthly, and I'm sure somebody has done more than I have into the lineage of the family so anyways
1: we'll have to talk about that when we come back because there are the tunes so we have to take a break right now you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, International with uh, Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick and our special guest today is Joshua Mantello of Berkshire Paranormal right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal and wherever else fine radio is being played we'll be right back after the following messages
2: An oasis in this hectic world. The creepy and the are kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all
1: talk outly Gookie, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax
0: family. They're strange, deranged. Restraint.
1: So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Vera X family.
2: Greetings and felicitations.
1: I am Ron Koel, New England's own Van Helsing.
2: And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell.
1: We're here at the elegant Venture hall, the Downton Abbey of Menos.
2: And we would like to extend a formal invitation
1: to you. Tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation
2: on Tokenet, Para-X, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paramount.
1: You can even listen live on your smartphone with your Tune In app or catch the podcast on iTunes.
2: And now, time for tea.
0: Ah, tea. That drink that unites two nations across a pond of salty water. But that's not what the reason we're talking about tonight, because welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. And our guest tonight is Josh Mantello, investigator with Berkshire Paranormal, because I'm English and will insist on saying it properly. And before the break, we were talking tunnels, something that we we have, I think, Um, I was watching a program. um, It's interesting, sort of paranormal-related and tunnels. Um, In Norway, um, there is the world's longest road tunnel. And you were talking about these uh, areas where people uh, pull in to allow trains and vehicles to pass. But what they discovered is they had to bring a team of psychologists in uh, on this tunnel because drivers were hypnotizing themselves as they drove through it and uh, causing accidents because of the, the hypnotic effect of the light spacing. So they redesigned the spacing of the lights. But what was most interesting was that at uh, three, uh, so six-kilometre intervals throughout the tunnel, so what, about four-and-a-half-mile intervals throughout the tunnel, um, they had to put these special giant caverns that had all this crazy, surreal electric blue lighting In order to wake the drivers up again and give them something to distract them and something to look at in order to be able to wake them up. But the tunnel had, and the lighting in these areas had to be of a very specific length so that it didn't distract them from the task of driving. Um, and you never really think about, you know, tunnels in that way that they, that they have this effect on people. And of course, you know, this tunnel has got a lot. I think there were 200 people who died as a result of its construction and accident subsequently uh, until they brought this team of psychologists in to, to redesign the tunnel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: that's interesting. That's, it, you know... Oh, go ahead. That, happen- that happens, too, uh, uh, on uh, roads as well. as not just tunnels, but uh, the hypnotic effect of roads is is common, especially out west in, in uh, the Middle West uh where the roads are straight and narrow and uh you know falling asleep at the wheel is not uncommon uh but anyways nate mentions that uh Husac or whatever the heck that name of that tunnel is is a word for a place of stones which i never know did you know that josh
2: i didn't know that um i knew there was um i can look really quick um the the tribe that was more prominent in this that area were the Mohawk, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's just me. And I just had it up on my computer, and it's gone. Of mm-hmm. course, um, they 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 had something similar, um, you know, like that too. And I believe it was it's something to do with forbidden land or dark land. Uh, don't quote me on it, please, because um, something along that lines. Yeah,
1: well, it is what it is. So anyways, is there is there not a story about uh, a gentleman on the mountain? Is that the same mountain or is a different mountain?
2: No, now this is a different uh, mountain and this is a, a a very interesting story. It's probably one of my favorite stories um because it has it, it, it has all the uh the lines of a a good story to it. Um it would be the old coot of the mountain. Um the old coot uh is located on Mount Greylock along uh, what is called the Bellows Pipe Trail. Um, if any of you know me personally and kind of follow uh, the pictures I take, it's one of my favorite hiking trails. Um, and I uh, see a lot of pictures of it uh, that I like to post. Um, the Old Coop is a man that went off to war during the Civil War, like many men did. Uh, He owned a farm up on the mountain that he left behind with his wife and children. Uh, Now, back in that time when you went off to war, uh, you know, you didn't, your wife and your family didn't hear from you, you know, for ages. You know, it could have been years. Uh, So the wife, after many years of not hearing from him, um, rumors had passed that he was killed in the war. She then, in turn, uh, found another man who raised her kids and, you know, took over the house and all the manly duties um, of the house. And lo and behold, one day, uh, he comes back home uh, after being off to war. And he's walking up the road to, to his house, and he sees this other man with his wife and his kids and he, he kind of just turns around uh, he, he, he he saw them being happy that they, they, he didn't want to uh, complicate their lives anymore and he reclused into the woods of the mountain uh, kind of became a uh, I don't want to call it hermit, but just uh, no, he, he cool. would come out yeah, he came, became the old he, he came out, oh, for odd jobs. He worked odd jobs around the town, and and would go back off in. He would only come out for what he needed. Now, but even after his passing, though, he was still reported, um, a great photographer in the area. Um, you know, in the area, um, uh, Randy Trayball was known for going out and taking pictures of them. Some, I, most, I believe, baked but. The uh, the stories of the old coop along the Bellows Pipe Trail um, continued on um, generation after generation. We well, you know uh, late into the 1900s, you know, and and even sooner into your late ni- you know, late 1900s. Um, I haven't heard any recent um, spottings of him. Um, I think if anybody would have had, I would have uh, at, at the trail in the area that he supposedly haunts. I, I hike very frequently, actually um looking real quick his name was uh last name was saunders um and he you know is one of those things people who are hiking along just kind of see this more raggedy man you know walking along when they get to him he's gone or uh if they're if they're out in the winter they'll see kind of phantom footprints that lead into nowhere into the snow uh, things along those lines, you know. But what, what's really great about it is it has that that true legend to it. You know, there's a great story behind it. You know, Sanders went out to war to fight for his country. You know, he his wife went. You know, uh, years without hearing from him, assumed that he was dead. Heard that he was gravely wounded, and moved on in her life. And when he did finally come home, he these. You know, sees her happy with another man, and instead of making a confrontation, he kind of just decided to live his life out, you know, as this old crazy guy in the woods. And continued even throughout, after his passing, just walking that same trail, you know, it could have been a broken heart, could have been, you, you know, he always wanted to go back, who really knows. Mm-hmm
1: if since you have the name, if you ever tried to search for a grave?
2: Um, you know, I never have, but I might now. <laughs> there is a name. You know, yep. that's something that never crossed my mind.
1: It would be interesting to see uh, if there is any validity to it, or, you know, uh, was he ever buried in a proper, you know, burial or whatever.
2: Now so, I have to, uh, William Saunders. Um left home in 1861. I'm going to have to look that up. I might have to start out on Ancestry. Ancestry.com. It's great. I'm going to have to uh, throw his name in there and see what I can find. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. Let us. You have to let
1: us know, too, as well. Uh, there are other stories, and, and I don't know if you know this one, Josh, but uh, there's a story uh, from another mountain range about uh, a young girl that haunts the mountain range. Did you ever heard that? I believe her name was Emily... Or something like
2: that? Uh, yes. So I wasn't going to bring that up because it's um, October Mountain State Park. Yes, that's um, it. October Mountain State Park um, is kind of in that southern tier of, of the Berkshires and uh, is known for haunting, UFO sightings, and Bigfoot sightings. It's, it's kind go. of like the trifecta for all things not normal and legendary. So. Um, there is a small cemetery uh, that does have – it supposedly have a, a small child, um, a female child, haunting it. Um, there, is, there was a, a Boy Scout camp uh, located on the mountain uh, for many years. It's not there anymore, but the, uh, on many occasions, uh, the troops – and actually very recently talked to somebody who was one of the troops actually uh, seeing the supposed UFO – uh, really, it was it was located on the lake. So, they had, and if you go out there now, um, you can see where the pillars were in the ground that used to house kind of the, the cabins. The cabins were kind of raised about a foot off the ground, and they had right. like the pillars that supported the floorboards. You can kind of see where those still were, and then the cabins that would look out over uh, one of the lakes located on the on the state park. The um, report they reported, you know these these bright unexplained lights would actually rise out of the water and into the sky and do very odd, strange things, you know, your typical UFO sighting. Um, that was spotted multiple times over the years. Um, the, those, those sightings have kind of diminished by, you know, a lot of it probably to do with the fact that it's not actively used as, uh, as, as that camp anymore. Uh, but it's also been had to I guess, two documented Bigfoot sightings in the same forest, um, it's it's an interesting mountain. It's not a very uh, steep uh, steep incline. That not that any of the mountains in this area are. We're not talking about the Rockies here. They're more mm-hmm. more like foothills. Um, uh, but it is thickly wooded. It is also the largest state park in the state of Massachusetts. So it's by square miles. Um, it has the most open range. Uh, and there have been two uh, two hikers and hunters who were in the area who kind of heard that you know weird crackling and. That kind of pungent odor that supposedly comes along with your Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you may call them. And um, in, in two different parts of the mountain, this uh, large, large animal, uh, bipedal animal scene. Um, now, that, continue, now those are just the two that were more documented, but um, a friend of mine in local folklore, Joe Derwin, who actually just published a book, um, All Things... Um, legend and creepy in Berkshire County uh, called These Mysterious Hills. So there has actually been a, you know, closer to a half dozen or more um, sightings in the area. And, you know, the Bigfoot researchers, I actually had the pleasure to go out with uh, a Bigfoot researcher out on the mountain once. And, you know, the things that you would look for bent over trees or areas that they would be nesting in or calling for making a den with, um, you know, are, are still spotted in that area today. So uh, it, it's, you know, it's quite interesting. So, you, know, you know, when you get into the eastern part of the state, you know, it's obviously much more thickly populated. So if something like that is going to be in this area, uh, it's going to be in your western part, and particularly in your far western part of the Berkshires that are you know, obviously much more sparsely populated and have a lot more wooded areas, even where I am in North Adams. Uh, a little bit further north which kind of on the on the base of mount Greylock, which is the state's highest peak um they have um the monster of coca-cola ledge coca-cola in ledge north adams being uh just a large ledge that in the 60s had a billboard for coca-cola on it mm-hmm. um it, it's real name is wisp ledge but the the billboard has been gone for probably three decades now and this remains now a ledge with uh symbols painted on it you know periodically um but in the 60s 70s uh people reportedly saw a large beast in those areas as well now that you know connects directly to the mount Greylock state reservation which is also the same area where the old coop is seen um, so you know it, you know it, it's uh could be they're definitely not connected you know there are different parts they'd have to cross them. Um, some populated areas, they get from one to the other. So you can talking about maybe two even bigfoot related uh, things.
1: Hmm. You know, Steve, you were saying in chat something about in, in Wales. You uh, in Wales, they have something similar.
0: Yeah, well, because I <clears throat> where I live on the remote west coast, um, we have we, we don't again we don't have mountains. They're called mountains, but they're only hills. They're you know two thousand foot. It's also the. Uh, It's been in the news very recently because, uh, again, the discovery that uh, the stones for Stonehenge actually come from Pembrokeshire and come from um, uh, the hills just four or five miles away from where I live. But we have a long history of uh, haunts, a long history of UFOs in particular. Um, down to a new book that's uh, that's come out this week. It's a novel um, by the guy that wrote the book about Harry Price. Uh, and he's based this book on the David Enigma, the Dovid Triangle, because this is one of the world's leading hotspots for UFO sightings, including a UFO that apparently uh, ascended and was seen ascending and descending in and out of the sea. Really? We have no Bigfoot here in the UK, at least not that I'm aware of, but what we do have scattered throughout the UK and has been in the news over the last... Our local news press here in Pembrokeshire uh, over the last three or four years has carried consistent stories of reportings of large black cats, pumas or cougars, which, of course, are not a native uh, British species, so they would be uh, considered to be an alien species.
1: okay. (laughs)
2: The uh, you know, go ahead, Steve, or Josh. Uh, go ahead. You know, speaking along the lines of UFOs, there's a, a, a it is funny. a more recent news article um, in Stockbridge. Um, you know, a little bit further down from because We're kind of making our way south here with our stories. We're almost now towards the Connecticut line. Um, there was a they erected an actual monument to a very popular UFO sighting um, from many years ago. Uh, sorry, not Stockport, Sheffield, um, from 1969, there was a, uh, a UFO sighting, and they, um, they erected a monument to it. And, you know, we thought that's kind of a, a cool idea, at least people who kind of think like I do, and, you know, some of your other people who aren't quite as conservative. And believe uh, <laughs> we were not, the town made an a enormous deal about it and made them take the monument down because uh, – they didn't want it. It was a really nice stone monument with a plaque. It was just sheer Wait a minute, they made them take it down? They it, had, made them take it down. Oh, why? Um, I guess it was on public land, and um, they, they didn't want the, a monument to uh, the UFO sightings. Now, they, they started to make a big deal about it, and there was a fight over it. At this point, I, I stopped following it, but um, they might have put it back up.
1: That's so bizarre. But so anyways... If
2: it, it I like read now, it says the commemorative monument is dedicated to the following, the official induction of our nation's first off-world UFO incident. So it's something that was actually, they're trying to claim, was the um, one of the first abduction cases. Um, uh-huh. You know, uh, Thomas E. Ree was, was nine years old and supposedly abducted, and uh, I think maybe they, it's something they didn't want associated with the town.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's great. But I mean, unfortunately, uh, we we skipped over the the legend of uh, October Mountain and we talked about the graveyards and and everything else. But we didn't really talk about the young girl who supposedly haunts the mountain.
2: Oh, yeah. So, um,
1: uh, kind of Lucy Keys, I I think the name is. uh, It wasn't Keys.
2: Um. Oh, boy, it's completely escaping me. How oh, you know it might have been. Um, but it, it, it's funny, because it's, it's a little cemetery that's uh, impossible to find. You know, when uh, Jeff Belanger was writing his weird Massachusetts book, um, he wanted to write about it, and we went up there with a couple other people, and we typed the entire day on the mountain, and like, could not find the cemetery. Um, and finally, you know, a few other people have located it. Um, what it was is, supposedly, this grave was it's a small cemetery but she was all alone with no family um so that you know they, they the story the backstory behind it was is that she was alone she was lonely um here's this small um obviously by by the date on the on the headstone i knew a young young girl that had no you know uh, relatives with her you know kind of on this rural outposted out of the way Graveyard.
1: Okay, so and in, in, in what I what I'm the what I'm thinking of it is, and they actually did a documentary movie on this a little go It is Lucy Keys.
2: Okay, saying um, something different then. yep
1: yeah, it it is absolutely Lucy Keys, and uh, it, it basically is uh, the youngest daughter. Uh, moves to an old farmhouse, and uh, basically they have two daughters, Molly and Lucy, and uh, I'm trying to go through this a little quickly, and their land abuts the woods, and uh, the kool family, I guess, is the, the uh, people that uh, owned it. Uh, so, anyways, uh, the girl disappears, and uh, they keep they went out, and they tried finding her, they thought the Indians had got her and everything else, but she totally disappears and now they say you can uh hear her voice uh in the valley and sometimes you see her and she disappears
2: hmm. now that one it sounds very similar to the um to the to the one I'm thinking of, but the one is definitely a completely different um completely different story. Okay. That's often That's the
0: right. case. I mean, there are there are many examples here in the UK where you have the same story, um, like, uh, duplicated or transposed between locations. It's it's really not that unusual here.
1: Yeah, I, I, that that makes sense in a way. I, um, this was this was produced in 2005. This movie, uh, the Legend of Lucy Keys. So you know, it's interesting though. If let's say this movie was produced, now I, I'm I'm not sure uh, it was produced, but I'm not sure. Say it wasn't uh, factual. Now, if somebody was doing research and they're looking for a haunted place and they came across this, they would use this movie as a reference and put it down primarily as fact in the in the story, and then therefore you would get. Uh, you know, someone else doing the same ser- research would come across this other website, and so forth. And before you know it, even though it might have been a movie uh, based on fact, but but fictitious, uh, soon's up being fact. All
0: right. Uh, um, that's that's absolutely without any shadow of a doubt, and that happens so many times with ghost reference books as well, where uh, one mistake is copied or one version of a story is copied. Uh, by subsequent authors who, who really can't be bothered to do their own research. And they just copy it verbatim because it's, you know, it's it's quicker and easier.
2: Yeah, and I've seen, you know, similar similar things just along the lines of not even with things in production or, or, or written word, uh, but just through word of mouth. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves um, was always at the Houghton, um, you know, with their backstory being there's a, a small child or ghost. Um, that was in the basement. Um, so nobody knew what it was, nobody knew who it was, but they always um, they called it Laura um, because A.C. Houghton, who was said to be haunting that building, had a daughter named Laura that died at a very young age. Um, so they just automatically assumed it and said, Laura, we're going to call it Laura, 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 Laura. You know, when you actually look at the, the time of death for Laura, it was mm-hmm. decades before that building was ever erected. So why, you know, I, you know, trying to think logically, why in God's name would a child that never even lived in the house be in the basement of it, and even if she did live in it, why would the child of the head of the house be, you know, forced to live out eternity in the basement, you know, when all the rest of her family members are wandering freely throughout the rest of the building, you know? You know, when right. I you know, when I talk about it that way, it's like, it makes no sense to me why this ghost would be Laura in the basement. You know, but, you know, one person said it once, and then the next group comes through, and they're going to call it Laura. And the next one calls it. And as the next thing you know, everybody there says, oh, this is Laura down here. I'm like, you don't know that.
1: You know right. like like? <laughs> uh, Nate, Nate actually pointed out in the chat room that Lucy Keys is from a different mountain. It's uh, Wachusett's Mountain. And... Uh, Anna Pease is from uh, yeah. October Mountain. That is so the name. Yes, I, I got the story mixed up. I was thinking of <laughs> one story, and you were thinking of another story. So uh, <laughs> two different mountains. Yeah, mountains are mountain. <laughs> they all look the same to me. So, anyways, I know we're running out of time uh, on the show, and so Josh, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, and uh, how could they do that?
2: Um, I have my own website, jmantello.com, just jmantell com. or you can email me at uh, the same way, jmantello at msn.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those fun and popular, exciting social network media outposts. Uh, there you go. Uh, you can touch with me any one of those ways. Anything coming up uh, you want to tell us about it at all? Uh, not at this time, actually. You know, it's... Uh, kind of a, a weird point right now for me uh, in between jobs, and I'm not trying to commit to anything until I secure one. I don't know what the what my timelines are going to be, but um, I do have a couple ideas that Ventfort Hall is interested in. Um, I, we're going to be pitching it to them once. Uh, I know something's more definite, but it's going to be kind of, we're thinking of actually maybe doing some monthly um, paranormal meetups or discussion groups, kind of similar to what you do at Circles of Wisdom, Ron. Oh, excellent. Good idea. But on our end of the state, um, it's going to fit within the realms of what they can allow in their building and not allow in their building, things like that. Um, Plus, I have a few other people with feelers out for other parts of things, too. So there are some things in the work. I'm just keeping them quiet and kind of on the down low until I know Mm. exactly um, what the future kind of holds for me and the rest of my group at this point.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we want to thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight, and, uh, you know, uh, we wish you uh, the best of luck of, uh, you know, finding a new job as well, so.
2: Oh, thank you. And I so, uh, always love coming on, so uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem,
1: uh, and if we don't see you, have a very Merry Christmas.
2: And you as well, and so everybody else, you too. Uh...
1: Okay, bye, Josh. Bye.
2: Thanks,
0: Josh. All the best for the holidays.
1: So anyways, that show is uh, pretty much down the tubes, so it's time to say goodbye down and wrap it up. Anything else? Yeah, you always complain about it, whatever. So uh, anything you want to mention before we no. go? We've got a few seconds left. No, nothing. Alright, so there's the tunes, which we got to wrap it up. So, uh, uh, Red Light Seance for me, uh, next month, every first Tuesday of the month, uh, January 2016, and... Uh, We'll be also doing a special event as well, Dining with the Dead, Y2K plus 16, and Crappy Yankee Swap. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Go to my website, anyghostproject.com. Till next time, good night. God bless.
0: Good night. God bless. From goalies to ghosties, long legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good Lord. Homeschooling? Half-